here we are. This is Sex Love Psychedelics, and I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Bringing you psychosexual conversations that will leave you intellectually turned on and hungry for more. Hey, lovers. For most of us, we're approaching psychedelics for a mental health reason. Whether we've been struggling with anxiety or depression, a lack of connection to the world, trauma, or we just want to have better sex. <laughs> sex with psychedelics. And maybe we've been also hearing that psychedelics and MDMA can help us out. Research is showing groundbreaking benefits of MDMA for PTSD, ketamine for depression, psilocybin for depression, and it's powerful for what they can do. If you've listened to my podcast where I talk about my personal experience with ketamine-assisted therapy, uh, as well as the professional work that I do with ketamine therapy, it's it's powerful. It's profound. However, <laughs> what I don't think is addressed enough is the impact that these drugs or these medicines can have on our internal systems. So why do we feel deeply sad or depressed after an MDMA trip? How can we feel really sensitive in our nervous systems or exhausted after a psilocybin or ayahuasca journey. Might be because we stay up all night (laughs) to be in that journey, Uh, but there's also a chemical reaction and nervous system reaction going on. Uh, There's a lot that's happening inside with our body's chemistry, with the compounds effect on the nervous system's health and our own individual responses to depletion that can happen post-journey. And if we aren't supporting our brain, our body, and our cellular health before, during, and after a journey, then we may come up against some of these unpleasant symptoms that can inhibit change from being lasting. Like, it's really hard (laughs) to do the healthy work post-MDMA session if we're depressed and lacking motivation. It's just not going to be easy to get out of bed and do the yoga. So (laughs) today I've got Sean Wells, who is brilliant at mapping out how we can support our nervous systems, our energy, our brain, and our cellular health from a supplement and a biohacker's perspective, especially if we are journeying with psychedelics. Now, before we get to Sean, I am hosting in-person ketamine retreats in early 2024 around sensuality and intimacy. I find this medicine to be incredibly powerful for that, to be able to connect to our pleasure, to connect to our body um, that we might otherwise have a difficult time with. And you may think ketamine, such a dissociator, how can you connect with your body? Or you might be like, oh, I've seen somebody in a K-hole, like that doesn't look sensual. (laughs) And I understand. And in my clinical office, I've seen very different results. I've even personally experienced very different results. I've had full-blown energetic orgasm in my own ketamine training with a room full of therapists and doctors. So (laughs) it's profound. And if you've been wanting to dive in deep into the relationship of your own body, you know, Go so inside that you meet your soul and study with an expert like me to realign you with your sensual essence, then sign up for my wait list. My retreats are incredible. I'm not even going to be humble about it. I've witnessed full-on healings and resolutions from trauma, turnarounds from eating disorders and body hatred, and women making hard decisions around their relationships in order to step into their erotic vibrancy again. 
Retreats are profound. They are such a profound format for evolution. I truly believe this. If they are held with reverence and they are supported with prep and integration, like any other experience, and people who attend my retreats are still friends with each other years later because I believe in the power of building community as a foundational aspect of our continual health and healing. So if you want to be the first to know when these doors open for enrollment, then I want you on my waiting list. I'm going to include the link in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. Now to my guest expert today, Sean Wells. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sean. I'm excited to have you on. Sean Wells is at the forefront of nutritional biochemistry and supplement fermentation, named the world's greatest formulator with over a thousand health products and 20 groundbreaking patents. He's the author of the book, Energy Formula, as well as a thought leader in the realm of mental health and psychedelics, speaking at biohacking and psychedelic conferences on the potential of psychopharmaceuticals worldwide. And honestly, you're just a registered badass, truly. Like, Sean, <laughs> this is going to be a fun conversation. 100%. You're, you're the badass. So this is, <laughs> this is great for me, too. I mean, vibe attracts the tribe, right, Sean? <laughs> it is what it is, yeah. So I met Sean in Estonia this summer at the Mind Valley Conference, which is really fun. And we connected over our shared devotion in educating around psychedelics and mental health. And it turns out that he's got some great perspectives on incorporating biohacking science and perspective with psychedelics for the support of our body and our mind and our energy. And, and I really, really believe that this is an important topic that you're bringing to the table, what you're talking about, Sean, because if we're going into psychedelics for the mental health support, but we're feeling shitty post-session mm-hmm. or, or we're having toxicity in our mind, or, or we're really not doing anything after the afterglow of the session or the ceremony after it wears off and we return back to the same low energy and, and anxious states that we're in, then what, what are we even doing this for? (laughs) Why are we putting ourselves through that? So I want to start there with this whole idea of the intersection that you've created with the biohacking, with the supplementation and psychedelics. Like, how did you come to this connection that, that these could support us in the psychedelic realm? Uh, well, you know, I'm a supplement guy. I mean, yeah. first and foremost, I've been doing supplements for about um, 20 plus years. So um, I have done, as you stated, like over a thousand supplements. I've patented a slew of ingredients and all that kind of stuff. I've flavored tons of products. I mean, if you were to walk through a GNC or vitamin shop, probably a third of the products on the shelf are things that I've formulated or or touched in some way, including my ingredients. Uh, ingredients like tea cream and dynamine, which are energy ingredients. Uh, my new one, which is Infinity, which is a metabolite of caffeine called paraxanthine. I mean, these are in thousands of products. Mm-hmm. Like basically every pre-workout, uh, nootropic, fat burner, energy drink probably has my ingredients. I brought mm-hmm. ketones to the market a new form of berberine called dihydroberberine, a new ingredient that could end up being 
a, a vitamin called ergothionine. Uh, mm-hmm. could be one of the first new vitamins in a long time. Uh, uh, an ingredient that mimics exercise called Beba. I mean, there's there's a lot. Shut of Shut the fuck up! What about the, the <laughs> supplement that? So I can just take a supplement. And I like ah oh, exercise for the day. Hundred <laughs> percent. So um, I don't know if you know about exercise mimetics is like a class of ingredients, but there's things like ACAR, which has history in the past. AICAR. There's uh, carterine, which is also known as GW501516. But the ingredient that I worked on is literally a signal that happens in your body when you're exercising intensely. Uh, The muscle releases what's called a myokine uh, from one of the branch chain amino acids uh, called valine. And valine gets converted into beta, beta amino isobutyric acid. And the body sees this as a signal and it says, okay, we're intensely exercising. So basically everything that happens when beba is elevated is related to intense exercise. And when we see the beba elevation, we also see increased bone mineral density, increased uh, ketone utilization, glucose utilization, glycogen storage efficiency, certainly increased muscle mass and strength, muscle innervation, uh, neuroplasticity, BDNF, VO2 max, like all of these things are affected by elevated levels of BABA. And we've shown that when you supplement with BABA exogenously, meaning outside of the body as as a supplement, that it does increase endogenous levels of BABA, meaning plasma levels in the body. So now we're doing new research to show like what it does um, on top of exercise. But yeah, literally that's that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. it exercise. It's mm-hmm. the signal for intense exercise. Mm-hmm. So like I said, registered badass, Sean Wells. <laughs> describing like really that's it's describing the body like a like a uh like a machine. It sounds like you're able to break down the very nuanced structures of how things are working to be able to best support it. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. I like that. I like that cat. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. So as this relates, and and this is, that's the whole premise of biohacking, truthfully, right? Understanding on the nuance level, these ways that we can, that it operates so that we can best support it. Yeah. Just something there, like, you know, There's the idea of biohacking that I think like triggers people. It's honestly triggered me in the past um, Mm -hmm. because the idea of like eliciting shortcuts does sound appealing, but at the same time, we're not really thinking through like what this is doing to our body, to our mindset. Like there was, there was a period of time that it was just a very masculine idea to like, let's biohack the shit out of this. Right. Like Mm -hmm. let's, let's like improve performance. Let's push, push, push. It's like, let's take our steroids. Let's take these peptides. Let's take these SARMs. Let's take these like research chemicals. We don't know what it'll do negatively in our life. Like how it will affect our, our, our well-being as a Mm -hmm. human but we know that it will grant us more short-term performance. And that's the idea of hacking. So I do like the idea of 
maybe human optimization is kind of like the the better term. It feels like the more kind of balanced masculine and feminine. As we've moved into the last several years, I do feel like the feminine energy has kind of moved into the idea of biohacking where we're not only looking at all this cool stuff, future tech, like the, you know, peptides and biologics, things like PRP and stem cells and, and, you know, all this cool thing, BPC 157. And, and that's awesome. And genomics and epigenetics and all of it. Great. I mean, that's stuff I cover in my book too, but mm-hmm. I like how things are coming in that are like, traditional or historical ways to renew yourself like journaling like mm-hmm. listening to music like uh sun gazing and forest bathing and meditation and breath work and you know these kinds of things are coming in now too that self-care matters mm-hmm. and being a balanced individual instead of just pushing the limits to the outer ring mm-hmm. we're now thinking about the balance and being more centered mm-hmm. and i feel like that's where the evolution has taken place in this idea of biohacking now. Yeah, I can almost see how the extreme version of it could be perpetuating this drive for productivity, like like just focus on productivity and, and how that can almost perpetuate some of the same issues that we've been having. Like our body has symptoms for a reason to talk to us and let, us, let something's off mentally, emotionally, whatever. And, and if we're just taking the supplement or we're just driving forward, are we missing that aspect? So you even talk about that in your book, Energy Formula, about, you know, the importance of having the balance with these introspective practices, like you're saying, journaling and yoga and that kind of thing, so that we don't perpetuate the shadow side of just, uh, I don't know, bypassing. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's where I was. Like I was gaslighting Mm -hmm. myself. I was bypassing. I was in my wounded Puma energy or wounded masculine energy. And, and, uh, I wanted to get more, 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 more. I, I, you know, if I was working 70 hours a week, I wanted to get to 80, get to 90, get less sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, also there's the idea of just aesthetics. How do I get the six pack? You know, Mm -hmm. all these things, like I didn't really care about what's happening to my liver, what's happening to my brain, like, yeah, it's healthy for me. Like, so it really wasn't until and here we can, you know, set the stage. It wasn't Mm -hmm. until I did psychedelics that I found that self love, I didn't even know what love was. Mm -hmm. I walked into psychedelics. I was in my first experience. um, It's basically about four years ago at a celebrity's home with a lot of other celebrities there, uh, people that you know very well. And I, I, I like normally when I walk into these rooms, I'm always like, here's my resume. Here's why I'm worthwhile. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm this incredible person. Here's why you need to know me because I was doing all these masterminds and all these things at the time. And, and I was very insecure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely had the imposter syndrome and, and, you know, there was a a lifelong history of abusive relationships that I was in and, and uh, being bullied as a kid and all these kinds of things. And, and so I ended up doing all those things to myself, uh, just as bad. And and then I had this idea that love was conditional, Mm -hmm. love was fleeting, 
uh, love had to be earned. Um, but yeah, it could just go away in an instant. And so, you know, here I was in this environment. I decided because I was just overwhelmed by all these kind of celebrity type people. I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to play small. <laughs> like, Cause I was also scared about going into psychedelics and the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And so I never really mentioned who I was, but that wound up being the thing that was so powerful because I ended up laying there in a cuddle puddle mm. on the floor a whole night. I did over five grams of a big dose. <laughs> and there was people that just laid around me like the whole night. People kind of came in and out of my circle. You know, it's like one of these time lapse videos, right? Like yeah. it was just people kind of, and I was just laying there the whole night. And I think I was kind of in heavier than most people because this is my first experience. And I think they wanted to crack me open and, and they most certainly did. <laughs> but it was so powerful to me that all these people would sit by me, would hold space for me, mm. would, like would hug me, would caress me, would just sit above me, entertain me, like while I was going through all these things. There's so many people, like 10 different people were just kind of holding space for me. Mm -hmm. I was just like, why? That was what I was kept wrestling with is like, why would someone who doesn't know me care for me and approach me with love. Mm. And I it just, I wrestled with that. And then eventually it just cracked me open that it's like, I can just have love. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do, I spent my whole life thinking I had to do, and I had to like definitely be in this masculine of like accomplishment and yeah. prove myself. And then I was like, I can just sit here and someone can love me. Mm -hmm. that blew my mind and you could tell someone you could tell me that mm -hmm. and I you know before this experience I would have said oh yeah uh-huh yeah that makes sense mm -hmm. but until I felt it in my heart and knew that I could be loved and then I could give love freely and then I could love myself like it was just a massive shift for me that was mm -hmm. so freeing and to be honest, I was like right on the edge of, of suicide, I believe, going into this, either doing it with intention or kind of being so hardworking and so driven that it would just naturally happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's real, you know, so that was real for me. So that shift was just a huge shift. And that's when you know, yes, I was talking about biohacking and supplements and all these things prior to that. But that idea really shifted after that experience. Mm -hmm. One, I wanted to bring my supplement knowledge into that space. But two, it was more about balance, about resilience, about optimization, about making impact, about really having that base for love. You know, like I really believed in the idea of, you know, up until that point, I was the inner critic, not the inner champion. Okay. And if anyone talked to me, like I talked to me, I wouldn't be their friend, you know, it's that kind of thing. Like, but I was there talking to myself like trash all the time that I didn't deserve this. Who am I? Like, why should I be here? All those kinds of things. And then it was just an amazing epiphany to have this love and then and then I realized 
oh my God, like if I'm in these rooms with all these amazing people, I'm fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of thinking like, who am I and how do I deserve to be here in the imposter syndrome? I shifted it to like, be like, well, damn, if I'm surrounded by all these badasses, like the Dr. Katz, then <laughs> I'm a fucking badass, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. and, and it's just that it's that shift. But I had so many shifts that just these tweaks that just cracked me open and, and made me realize uh, that life is worth living in a, in a whole new way, a whole new perspective that I thought it was just all achievement based up until that point. Right, right. Uh, so beautiful. Yeah, as a result of all of our programming, you know, thinking about the, how these beliefs are formed from experiences of our youth and and how we define what love is and and to have that embodied reference point of the feeling of love without having to strategize or without having to 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 be vigilant or, or to mm. figure out what to do to get it. I remember the first time for me too, as a, I've been a therapist for 13 years and I, it was my first ayahuasca ceremony. It was my mid twenties that I looked in the mirror in the bathroom and, and just caught my own eye and then started touching my face and felt the, the feeling of, of adoration, like I'm adorable right? I'm so adorable. And before that, you know, all the memes of just self-love yourself, just so live. And we're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, I should just love myself. But you don't understand what it is that you're working towards until you have that reference point. And I see that so often with my clients too, where they come out and they're like, oh my God, this is what it feels like to not have thoughts, or this is what it feels like to, to, to love my body or yeah. So it really does help. Yeah. That that mirror work is so powerful, like so transformative. That's mm-hmm. that's I I love mirror work. Just like being your own therapist, seeing yourself, feeling yourself, touching yourself, appreciating yourself. Uh, it's, it's it's incredible. And I see so many people come out of these experiences. Uh, I've probably done I don't know eighty or or more or something like that. Variety of different substances, and I. I that's certainly not necessary. I'm sure you've explored quite a bit. Anyone <laughs> listening, you don't have to do all that. Like for some people it's, you know, one and done and that's mm-hmm. great. Um, but for me, because I'm a biochemist, because I'm exploring, because I'm speaking on this, I do like to kind of explore different versions, different stacks, different environments and, and have uh, more to lean on more to explain. Um, but absolutely. Like when I see people come out I can't even count the number of times said to me or said to someone else, you look 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. Because literally just all this stress that you're holding, you know, like Joe Dispenza or Dr. Bruce Lipton talk about like the stress, the the, the trauma that you're holding in your body. You can yeah. see, you can see it in your face and to release that it's just, it's uncanny. It's, it's not a joke. Like people literally do look 10 years younger when they come out of a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Although I will say, and you brought up the point I want to expand on, you said that you had struggled with, with suicide ideation before and depression. And 
wanting everyone to listen on here that you know psychedelics can be a tool but it's not the panacea it's not also not for everyone so here's where i think you're in such a unique position to talk about how we can take care of ourselves on the nutritional level on the on the supplement level because this can you know psychedelics become face to face with, with some of these deepest hardest traumas and 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 depression that does impact you said saggy skin you know heaviness in the body so let's 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 talk about this unique aspect how you paired those two together how you see it supporting how i paired which two things together the supplements the nutrition your mm. your side of the biohacking with the psychedelics yeah yeah i mean first off i was like okay are any of these things that i'm exploring in terms of uh, these substances that are illegal, and of course, many of them are moving towards legality, uh, thankfully, at least mm-hmm. through kind of clinical channels. Yeah, I think is great. Um, I was like, okay, are any of these things possible through what's currently available as dietary supplements? And I would say, for the most part, they're not. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are there are things that I could certainly high dose that could elicit some of the effects of these psychedelics but it's it's definitely not not possible that i'm seeing and and of course i think the fda would step in if they were that experiential on on that regard so then i took the idea of like okay if we're in these different substances what would i do going into the journey experience what would i do during the journey experience what would i do post journey what would i stack with micro doses since i have all this knowledge of all these substances and and the way they work and different pathways that they can exploit like for example bdnf which is brain derived neurotrophic factor the neuroplasticity protein how would i enhance that because uh, you know, not to step on on toes with therapy, but like I think a lot of times therapy can be effective from a standpoint of it's good to talk. And, and certainly men do not talk very well with each other. It's, it's, a, it's, it's epidemic. When I go to masterminds, it's a beautiful thing to see wounded puma entrepreneur like men speaking very vulnerably about their problems it's it is epidemic with men i think women are much better at it with each other at just speaking but it's obviously important to speak certainly if you're lonely if you don't have those people if you don't have people you know or trust to speak to someone but i i think as far as eliciting significant change because of default mode network and the ego and these constructs and because of neuroplasticity one not being nearly as high as when you're in psychedelics but two when you're depressed neuroplasticity is dramatically down you tend to stay in loops you tend to be very fixed in your thinking and then again uh, default mode network is all the way up. The constructs are all the way up. You're holding on to constructs. Between those two things, you're creating stories. There's the idea of like, who would I be without this trauma? Like this trauma is tied to my identity. So all these things are taking place. But like when you're in a psychedelic environment and getting therapy, mm-hmm. yeah, that's when we've seen incredible data. Like this, the studies... 
And, I'll, and, and let me make that clear too. In that, I don't think just using psychedelics on your own, unless you're highly experienced, is smart either. You can actually be in a situation where you can create more trauma. Children have very elevated BDNF. Children have, you know, an easily impressionable low default mode network scenario. Their their hearing, their eyesight, their senses are more sensitive. Everything's turned up. So when we're in psychedelics, it's like you're turned up emotionally, physically, spiritually, and things can just come in and imprint. You're basically, you're cracking open your operating system and say, like, hey, let's rewrite this thing. And that can certainly work to your favor, Mm -hmm. but it can work against you. So you have to be careful in these environments, which is what actually, like, while I'm a champion of these things being legalized, I do worry about them being overly available and then Mm -hmm. it being you know, party stuff and, you know, being combined with alcohol and all these kinds of things. And Kim Kardashian has her own strain of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like that stuff kind of worries me that yeah. um, won't be taken seriously. And and, and people will get hurt. Cause, cause more trauma. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So the combination of the two, the psychotherapy plus the psychedelics, that's when we're seeing in studies these 50 to 80% cure rates of PTSD, of suicidal ideation, of depression, of anxiety in anywhere from, let's say, eight weeks to one year, we're seeing numbers like that, 50 to 80% cure rates. And I'm saying cure, and I don't use that word lightly, in Mm -hmm. that they no longer meet the definition for depression. They no longer meet the definition for PTSD. Right. That does not happen with SSRIs and all these other things. Yeah. And, and as a as a psychotherapist who specializes in psychedelic and trained in MDMA and, and ketamine, I, I completely agree. And even in my own personal experiences, you know, I've been in the psychedelic ceremony world for like 10 years now. And there were periods of time where I wasn't doing therapy alongside of my ceremony work. And it really did make a difference when I was doing it in conjunction with therapy. Um, so even encouraging people in the ceremony worlds, or if you're facilitating, are you pairing with, with the therapist? creating team models to support because the the prep as well as the session as well as the integration is all a part of the the process and you know as as we we see that on the so that's the mental emotional aspect of it and then when we drop into the body aspect well i guess that's somatic work too right um, yeah. body workers or somatic therapists but we drop into the nutritional aspect and the supplement aspect I feel like that's where you're really unique and and you're offering because there is toxicity that happens to the brain when we're using some of these supplements or some of these uh, psychedelics. And there is disruption to the cellular um, health or to our nervous system. So if we were to talk about that, how can people support themselves before and after or during? Yeah. So those are all great points. And yeah, to your point, like things like MDMA, uh, MDA, uh, have some toxicity neurologically, um, potentially like things like 2C, 2CB, like some of these kinds of things uh, for sure. And as you're saying, like they're also depletive. Like you, mm-hmm. when you have massive, expansive experiences, it's natural to contract. Yeah. 
And at the same time, you may have to function and go back to your real world. I do believe it's important to give yourself space and let your immune, uh, your your uh, nervous system kind of um, recalibrate before mm-hmm. going back into the world, so to speak. So <clears throat> I think it's important to look at what you're doing before you go into these experiences. What I've found is that dose is not dependent of these uh, psychedelics on your body size or my gender. Like, so I'm a big dude and I should have five grams and blah, 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 because I'm 220 pounds, 100 kilos, that I should have more than you should. Mm -hmm. What I have found it's really based on is the nervous system and where your nervous system is at. So if you're more in sympathetic nervous system versus parasympathetic nervous system, that's going to play a huge factor in the dose of the psychedelic that you're using. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the idea of like, if I was drunk and, you know, someone next to me cracks their head open and there's blood everywhere, all of a sudden, you know, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, you know, these things are just flooding in and I'm like, boom, I'm like ready to go. I'm ready to act. I'm no longer in that space. I'm no longer drunk or whatever. It's going to take a lot of alcohol to like compensate for that, to overpower that. Mm, Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing when we're in these psychedelics. So the more I can help someone get into parasympathetic, which is where Honestly, that idea of like set and setting certainly comes in of like being comfortable in your environment, being comfortable with your facilitator. These things are important. Don't second guess yourself. Don't gaslight yourself. Don't say, oh, this person's great. Everyone else loved them. You know, it could be a guy who's helped 100 people. He's amazing. He's pure of heart. But you had a sexual trauma and men are not for you. And this isn't the right thing right now. Yeah. So. You shouldn't be second guessing yourself if you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that person's a bad person. It just means it's not right for you right now. So that's yeah. important. So getting people to be able to lean into parasympathetic is important. And that's where, you know, setting intentions and doing breath work and doing uh, somatic uh, work, like stretching, like some of the some of those kind of exercises can be great. Mm-hmm. But also using things like adaptogens. I love rhodiola, ashwagandha. And in particular, if you're really kind of jazzed up, there is kind of like an herbal Xanax, if you will, without the benzo. <laughs> uh, and it's pretty amazing. It's from magnolia bark and it's called hanakiol, or its metabolite that's even more powerful is called dihydrohanakiol beta, D H H B. So those are both really powerful anxiolytics, meaning that kind of reduces that feeling of of anxiety. The adaptogens are just powerful all the way around in terms of what's called your allostatic capacity or your stress bucket. So you're kind of more optimized going back to that idea. You're more resilient. They have like a what's called a bimodal effect where you can get better energy and focus, but also better sleep. And so how is that? That's because you're optimized more. You have a greater capacity for stress. So it's not like the idea of taking caffeine where there's going to be a cost for that benefit. Mm -hmm. So that's where adaptogens are amazing. Certainly taking the electrolytes, hydrating well, 
Yeah. I, you know, magnesium is important. I do like things that are modulating serotonin. Um, so things like saffron, uh, D3 uh, saffron that's that's um, standardized as saffron now. Mm-hmm. Uh, vitamin D3, you know, certainly get your sunshine in. 5-HTP uh, is great as well. I do on the other side of the experience do some things to replete some of these uh, neurotransmitters, meaning build back up. But I don't like the idea of doing those things long term, um, just like taking SSRIs long term or taking anything long term that is most drugs are actually like inhibiting a pathway, which is kind of a ridiculous way to um, medicate someone long term. So I don't really like that idea. And that's where we run into all these side effects because the body wants to maintain homeostasis. And so like blocking a pathway, inhibiting an enzyme, like doesn't work long run. And that's why you'll see all these side effects when these people are smiling and like, you know, mowing the lawn or like, you know, swing <laughs> the swings. And that's like, because brain trauma, blah, you know, and they're going through all those like spontaneous head bleeds. Yeah. And, so you're referring to to antidepressants or psycho psychotropic medications. Sure. Yeah, okay. exactly. And things like certainly the benzos that I've used yeah. quite a bit in the past. Uh, I was addicted to like things like Lunesta and Ambien for sleep. Um, Flexeril because I've had like a number of injuries. So that's a muscle relaxant. Uh, and then certainly Xanax and, and these other yeah. things really can affect your brain in, in highly negative ways. And then a lot of people are addicted to Oxycontin and right. all of that stuff. So uh, basically just getting into a more relaxed space, trying to get your neurotransmitters primed uh, going into this uh, experience. And then, you know, during the experience, I don't want to give too much, but it would make sense to one hydrate. You hear that a lot probably include the electrolytes in that water. It'd be great if there was B vitamins. And I do take these going into the experience prior for like a couple of weeks as well, which would be the methylated versions of these B vitamins. So things like methylcobalamin for B12, 5-methyltetrahydrofolate, which is a long word. You can also call it methylfolate. That's the active version of folate. And a lot of people have that MTHFR issue where they really can't uh, utilize the folic acid that they might get from supplements or food well. So again, getting all these methylated versions of these B vitamins is ideal. And, you know, probably taking some L-theanine maybe mm-hmm. could be helpful in a, in a smaller dose during the journey. And so post-journey is when I kind of have like my heaviest uh, hitters. And that would be, you know, things like to replete acetylcholine. Acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter that if you're kind of doing deep work, focused work, you know, you have those journeys where you're just wrestling with things and kind of working through things. It's not like the, the laughing journey or like the touching, you know, kind of caressing journey. Like this is when you're doing that deeper work, you're burning through a lot of acetylcholine. So again, that can leave you depleted. So having things like Uh, acetyl-L-carnitine, which would uh, donate the acetyl group and also help uh, on a nootropic side for your brain. Uh, Having uh, a choline that's bioavailable like alpha-GPC 
and then stacking that with an acetylcholine esterase inhibitor, that's the enzyme that breaks down acetylcholine, um, like cuprazine A, is going to help you replete or build back uh, your acetylcholine levels. And then on the same concept with serotonin, same idea is I'm going to give 5-HTP most certainly, and then also Kana or like the branded version Zembrin, because that's like a natural SSRI. Again, I don't like staying on these things long-term. Yeah. I like the idea of using them post-journey. And then obviously, you know, like sometimes they do get used during journeys. Uh, and Kana needs to be standardized to mesembrine or mesembrinone. Those are two of the active compounds in it. And let me think. So... Then there's things like uh, an ingredient I worked on. I mentioned parazanthine. It's the metabolite of caffeine. If you're feeling depleted, about 60% of the population is a slow metabolizer of caffeine via the CYP1A2 pathway, the cytochrome P450 with the liver. If you give them parazanthine, they are no longer in that state. They don't have the habituation, the adaptation, the, the slow metabolizer issues, the 10 and a half hour half-life uh, where you literally days later can have caffeine in your system. Mm -hmm. You're feeling the anxiety, the sleep disruption, the brain fog, all these side effects that many of us feel from caffeine. Mm -hmm. And you're bypassing all of that. And we've actually shown that you're bypassing the toxicity of caffeine to go to its metabolite. And you're also avoiding theophylline, which is a, a bronchodilator, which has a, a ton of side effects as well. And you're getting like all these benefits. We've shown that increases nitric oxide to the brain, increases BDNF. So that's that neuroplasticity, increases glutathione and catalase and decreases oxidative stress to the brain, uh, increases serotonin and dopamine. And dopamine specifically like is one of the ways the brain ages and potentially goes down the path of, of Parkinson's and, and neurodegenerative conditions. And then it also decreases beta amyloid plaque, which is a pathway for Alzheimer's. Mm, wow. So really impressive data that we're getting. We're showing that it actually decreases even after stressful events, even after 10K running uh, scenarios, and then we put them through multitasking tests, that they actually decrease their mental errors. Whereas with caffeine, they increase mental errors. So it's pretty, it's pretty uh, amazing. So that's, uh, that's a substance that I certainly recommend uh, to kind of give you some energy coming out of that scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this brings up a yeah. good question, yeah, a go question ahead. that I have here could because as we're talking about the nervous system, the sympathetic mm -hmm. nervous system aspect is the fight or flight. The parasympathetic system is about rest and digest. However, it also has another aspect with the, with the dorsal vagal, which is the shutdown, mm -hmm. freeze, and fogginess, despondence. So that puts the question of me, of these supplements, mm -hmm. are these, would you generally advise these or would there be something different for somebody who needs more stimulation versus some is stimulation to come out of the vagal dorsal response, the shutdown versus somebody who's in the sympathetic or might be more hypervigilant or tense in their body or, or, you know, like heightened. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful question. And, and that's where, 
you know, I'm passing this on certainly to a facilitator. I, I have some uh, some groups that are actually using my whole protocol. I'll send you the protocol. Yeah, please. Cere- Ceremonia is using it. I don't know if you know them out of Utah. I do. So they're they're using my protocol, um, which is great. But that's a great point that there's most certainly bio individuality. And again, like where is your nervous system at coming in? Where is it coming out? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, and this is where like integration plays a huge uh, portion of this too, in terms of um, what is your what is your degree of integration after you've learned your your truth, your authenticity? Mm-hmm. Because if you go back to your regular life and you don't apply these new learnings now you're you're really in a state of cognitive dissonance you're kind of like living a lie like now that you know the truth and it's not suppressed mm-hmm. now that can be a huge problem and you can have that dissonance but that, that's a great point on you know what does someone need coming out of that situation sometimes you're right that they would need to be more stimulated uh, and some people might need to kind of be more relaxed to kind of stay in that ideal state for the next several weeks. And this is where microdosing, like I think, is a huge part. So I have this whole concept called echo dosing, mm. where uh, it's something I've trademarked and and worked on this this idea that like basically, let's say my journey is I have MDMA or MDA is a heart opener. And then I have uh, like a a ceremonial cacao and penis envy uh, for psilocybin. And then the next day I do Wachuma, which is also called San Pedro, as a way to kind of get grounded and kind of relaxed and be in this kind of bent time and space place where it's really good for my nervous system and kind of process everything. Mm-hmm. So I would take that whole thing and microdose that post journey Mm -hmm. because just like when you hear that that song uh, list, that playlist, it kind of takes you back to that journey experience. But when you hear that specific song, when you had the epiphany, that will 10x that that feeling, that experience. Mm -hmm. So I believe this is the same versus just microdosing whatever whenever i'm saying let's microdose our journey even better if it's prepared by the same facilitator that's serving you and you're taking that post journey also all the things that i'm saying to macrodose post journey i can microdose during the journey yeah this is like the idea of echoing and telling the body like what's coming and and to connect these dots on a much greater level just like if I have Agua de Florida or sage or whatever during my journey, and then someone sprays it, I'm like, mm-hmm. boom, I'm there. Now I hear that song, that specific song, boom, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm taking these supplements. Now I'm around these people on a Zoom that I was like with in my journey and my facilitator's talking to me. I hear this voice and boom, I'm there. So like this is going to extend that neuroplasticity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, the the sensory receptor or the senses, the five senses are getting stored in the amygdala helping with retrieval, memory retrieval from that. Yeah. I see that. Exactly. Connected to that. So, uh, and that brings up neuroplasticity. So I told you some things that help with that, but 
I have some ingredients that are just insane. So 7,8-dihydroxyflavone. This ingredient is amazing. Uh, it literally will work better than if you were to inject BDNF. There's, there's, there's nothing that can work on this level that we've seen in research wow. to increase neuroplasticity. Some of the polyphenols are great. Um, there's a host of them and basically almost all the blue zones are, are high in polyphenols, things like, uh, quercetin, terastilbene, resveratrol, EGCG, um, fisetin, apigenin. These are all like really great polyphenols. I definitely recommend eating well and, and potentially even taking the supplements. They actually, uh, also inhibit NADAs which is also known as CD38 that breaks down NAD. So this is like that idea of kind of repleting by inhibiting an enzyme again. Yeah. So this can actually increase um, endogenous levels of NAD, which NAD is related to mitochondrial ATP and protecting DNA and all these things. So basically increasing your cellular energy and your ability to thrive. So that's great too. So polyphenols are amazing. Yeah. Um, but also... Uh, so this, this neuroplasticity ingredient, 7,8-dihydroxyflavone, and we're not as sure on its metabolite, but maybe it could be even better. So I've been stacking the two. It's called 4-DMA-7,8-dihydroxyflavone. <laughs> so those two ingredients together that are amazing for neuroplasticity. And then, yeah, maybe add in polyphenols to your diet. And then things that do increase uh, NAD on their own. So that's going to be things like niacin, NMN, uh, NR, niagen. Those are all going to increase uh, the availability of NAD and then polyphenols will decrease their breakdown. So that's going to increase your cellular energy as well as things that are enhancing mitochondrial function, CoQ10, PQQ, those are great as well. Mm -hmm. And you dive yeah. into that in your book, Energy Formula. Which I yeah. love the the mitochondria health is so important for so many much of this and including trauma. And hundred percent, yeah. I've said that I believe that mito is the next keto. Like really, like it's I think everything is attached to mitochondrial function, whether it's biological over chronological aging or the likelihood of almost all disease is correlated to that mitochondrial dysfunction and therefore ultimately metabolic dysfunction. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Mito is a new keto. All right, Sean, we're making <laughs> merchandise. I see hats. I see shirts. I see. <laughs> Perfect. On it. <laughs> but, uh, I guess the last thing, like, um, so detoxing, uh, I do love N-acetylcysteine NAC, uh, that does blues, uh, boost glutathione levels, the master antioxidant. Mm -hmm. It does so better than taking the supplement glutathione. You can take liposomal glutathione, but I just love mm -hmm. NAC. I think that's the best thing to take. And then there's also a really cool ingredient that if you love to have a drink, sometimes like I do, I know in these spaces, people are like, it's low vibration. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know, maybe that's you. Like when I have a drink, <laughs> I get kind of funny and flirty and I have a good time. So I guess it depends on how much you drink and who you are and all those things. Mm -hmm. But dihydromyrcetin. MYR, dihydromyrcetin, is really potent at protecting the liver, detoxing the liver, and it's been shown to enhance 
um, the recovery from hangovers and prevent hangovers, mm. as well as help people that are addicted to alcohol have better outcomes coming off it. So this is a really compelling ingredient. Um, and I do believe that it has powerful effects, like when we're talking about our psychedelics as well. So the, there's more research on the alcohol side of the uh, equation. But I also think when we're talking about things like MDMA, et cetera, that this would be a great thing post-journey mm -hmm. to use as dihydromyrcene and, and, and acetylcysteine. To help with the kind of detox after blues? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. And first of all, I'm proud of myself because I take many of these supplements. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And now you added some more. So I'm super stoked okay. for that. Um, but this this list that you've given us and, and really, really well broken down, is this for all of these different psychedelics? Or would you say that these are for certain journeys and, and not for others? Because I know MDMA is a stimulant. And that's very different than, say, uh, psilocybin, which is a hallucinogen, and and ketamine. So is there, yeah, which ones would you say would be better for those? Or how do we help with yeah. the post-MDMA yeah. blues? Amazing, amazing point. Um, so, yes, I agree wholeheartedly there that, yes, something like ketamine is going to put you in a very relaxed state. I know with psilocybin. Mm -hmm. Like I yawn in a way that like is just so great as someone who spent most of my life hypervigilant. I'm like, what is this? Like, what are these yawns and laughs? Like, this is nice. <laughs> uh, but you're right. And when I take MDMA, like, honestly, it's a lot for me. Like, it's hard on me. Um, I know some people it's wonderful and amazing. And I do like the effects. But that first 30 to 60 minutes is tough for me. Like, mm -hmm. I definitely have like a tachycardia kind of scenario where my heart's just kind of racing and and then there's kind of an anxiety effect to that that, that's yeah. that right so um absolutely uh i think like you were saying you know taking some of these things like l-theanine like magnesium like the b vitamins the methylated b vitamins the the hanakiel or dihydrohanakiel beta um these adaptogens are going to be great at reducing that level of anxiety of kind of, you know, if you're kind of, um, you know, someone who's kind of wound up, then that would be the a direction you could go. And then things like the, the parazanthine, or certainly the mitochondrial ingredients are going to help give you more energy coming out of those situations, if that's what you need. And then sometimes it's a blend, you know, like depending on on that person and, and the stacks they're taking. What makes it really hard right now is I'm finding that a lot of a lot of the facilitators that I talk to and work with are doing kind of layered stacks. Mm -hmm. So it makes it really hard to just say like, uh, like ver there's almost very few people that are just now taking like psilocybin. Yeah. <laughs> or just ketamine, you know, whatever. So now it's like, I took 10 things in my journey. <laughs> it's like, okay. So it, it makes it a little bit more complicated. Another thing that I would like add to this is when you are, you know, as you, you spoke of, of vagal tone and, you know, mm -hmm. getting you know, parasympathetic. And for many of us that are hypervigilant a lot, that have spent a lot of their lives just, you know, in that kind of worrisome fear of protective, you know, like what's this 
what's the, who, who's going to screw me? Like, you know, that's the way we're, we're thinking all the time. We're on watch out. Like there's an animal about to jump out of the jungle. Like that's where we're kind of living our lives. Yeah. So if you're like that, Dr. Matt Cook um, did some work around the, the ketamine reset. And when he uh, gives ketamine, he also administers things that boost NAD levels. Again, going back to that mitochondrial energy and two gives potentially biologics. So things like PRP, B cells, exosomes, things like that. And those are primed at that point when you are kind of in a state of ideal receptiveness in your body to do something with these. I find that supplements do not work as well. One, when you don't believe that they will, the kind of placebo, nocebo effect. Mm -hmm. But two, when you're in that sympathetic, ultra sympathetic state, you're not really in a state to kind of use these things and and um like absorption bioavailable yeah like there's absorption there's utilization there's storage i feel like your body like literally we can see with that cytochrome p450 pathway that i was talking about your body can put the brakes on everything and say nope we don't want this crap Mm -hmm. And, and i believe that can happen especially if you're like one hyper vigilant but two a hyper consumer of lots of meds and supplements who would that be? Male biohackers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. And you're not really going to use a lot of those things very well. So mm-hmm. it's ideal, like when you're in these scenarios of like being truly relaxed, being primed, being neuroplastic, having like belief come through, like the power, the magic of, of life, of the quantum, of all these kinds of things. And you're like loving yourself that then you take these compounds. And you will have 10 times the results. And that's what I keep hearing from all of my friends, whether they're facilitators or they're people that are participants, that they're getting tremendous results with these biologics over when they've just done them, you know, kind of in a, in a day-to-day normal scenario. Yeah, it's putting our conscious awareness to it versus just being a passive activity that we do. We're actually intentional about it and present to it. I come back to my 20s, I had an autoimmune and was taking supplements and working with a nutritionist and it wasn't really helping because it was run in the background. And I feel like I had depleted my whole system <laughs> beyond it, the, you know, its, its ability to just be helped in that way. So that's one piece that I love about your book is how it's like, hey, you can take these supplements and you also need to be conscious aware of the trauma and working with the the, the emotional side and the physical, you know, as much as the physical side. And and um, so really encouraging people, you know, you're giving this protocol and don't think it's just the be all end all have this holistic viewpoint. That, that's a great point. And, and it brings up something really important, like I talked about before, is that even these things that I'm saying increase neuroplasticity, this, this 4-DMA-7-8-diadroxyflavone mm-hmm. or 7-8-diadroxyflavone or polyphenols, whatever, all these things that can enhance neuroplasticity. Yeah. Or, you know, some of these things that that can put you into these states of heightened neurotransmitters like the Kana and 5-HTP and the ingredients I mentioned for acetylcholine. There's a reason that when you're depressed, that all these neurotransmitters are turned way down. 
There's a reason that your senses are turned down. There's a reason that your neuroplasticity is turned down. It's because you're still potentially dealing with the trauma. Yeah. And so it's ideal to feel less. Mm -hmm. So I don't like the idea of cranking up neurotransmitters and, and neuroplasticity unless you have now removed yourself from the trauma. This is really important. Yeah. So it's one thing to do a journey, but if I have an abusive boyfriend that's physically, mentally abusing me, sex, whatever, and I go back to that and mm -hmm. I'm not removed from the trauma and I'm doing all these things that heighten neuroplasticity and senses and that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. That's not ideal. Mm -hmm. So we need to certainly, I mean, it sounds obvious to say this, but I think it's important to say this, is that you need to remove yourself from those scenarios and mm -hmm. then explore ways to turn up your neurotransmitters and your, and your neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. And it's important to say, because sometimes it's overt, like you just described, and sometimes it's covert. For me, I didn't realize what the what the trauma was because my nervous system was picking up everything in my environment was unsafe, but logically nothing was. So it was very confusing why my nervous system was stuck in this heightened state of, of sensitivity. And I wasn't able to absorb it, those nutrients. So I'm eating these supplements and taking these things and it wasn't bioavailable because it could not, like you said, you, my body couldn't use it. And, and I think that's important to, to emphasize here too. You know, the, again, the approach of the holistic, all of this um, around. Um, one question that I did have before we wrap up is that I've I've heard conversations and I've listened to Huberman's podcast on um, MDMA and he mentioned 5-HTP. And that's been one that's been emphasized a lot around to help with uh, the production of serotonin after it's been depleted, especially. However, I also understand that it can increase serotonin toxicity or serotonin syndrome if taken within the first, within 24 hours around an MDMA experience what has been your experience around 5-htb or what would you suggest to people that's a great point and i think you know this is where the the bio individuality comes in for sure um a lot of us are not making enough serotonin for many reasons so we're in a mm -hmm. very depleted state already um it's it's part of the melatonin pathway yeah and with all the blue light that we're exposed to I think with all the the ways that we're not satisfied with our lives, we're taught to be like we're we're incomplete and we're broken until we buy these things. Yeah, a lot of us are dissatisfied, and of course, we're being isolated and not being as connected to each other, uh, which is a massive problem. And you know, I could go down a whole rabbit hole of um, social yeah sing and all these kinds of things <laughs> that are very frustrating, but. I think it just varies like, and, and, you know, I get the question a lot too, with SSRIs going into the journey and mm -hmm. this is just highly, um, highly individual. I would say typically that if you've been on these things for a long time, you know, going in, just don't take it like around, like kind of co-administer with the journey experience. Uh, doesn't seem to be that big of an issue most of the time, uh, certainly with psilocybin, but, you know, some of these other substances can be quite different and bioindividual again. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then to your point with 5-HTP, I mean, there's massive variance in doses too, right? And so this is where we get into like 50, 100, 200. Sometimes people are taking like a ton because it's post journey. And, you know, so they're literally taking 500 milligrams, a gram, like, Mm. and, um, and this is where you can run into those scenarios. So it's like, you know, in a lot of the studies I do, it's like a dose response effect, right? So, you know, you have to look at the dose. um, And then also, certainly, if you're doing the things I'm saying, like with, um, essentially a natural SSRI like like Kana, that's going to you know help replete. So to your point, yeah, ser- serotonin syndrome can be a real thing. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends on like how depleted you feel, like how kind of introverted you feel, how kind of you can tell like when you're when you're kind of serotonin's such dry, so to speak. Uh, and I know certainly I've, I've been on the side of serotonin syndrome a few times and that's not great either when your heart's racing, you're, you know, you're you're tremoring and all these kinds of things. And, um, so I I would just, I guess I would say like one, how likely is that to have happened to you in the past? Have you ever had that experience with serotonin syndrome with SSRIs, with supplements, um, and certainly these things can exacerbate, exacerbate that. But I think, yeah. I think that's a good idea doing what you said. I, I think that's, there's some logic there. I personally have never had issues with that taking it after, but I'm not mega dosing. Sure. Um, and, um, I do think there's some logic there for sure. Yeah. And for anybody who is, is, is on SSRIs, um, I did an episode with spirit pharmacist who talks about, um, uh, protocols for being able to, um, uh, come off of the SSRIs in order to be fully safe when, when taking some of these that might impact that or MAO inhibitors that definitely should never mix with (laughs) psychedelics. So definitely check that podcast out as well. Um, Sean, this was fucking amazing. And I'm going to have to go back through this episode and write these things down and pause the episode to write every single word down. <laughs> You're such a wealth of knowledge in the field of um, of these nutrients that so many of us, it goes over our heads. So thank you for breaking it down and making it accessible, digestible, um, to be able to support ourselves from the inside out. How can, 100%. Yeah. yeah. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, Energy Formula is my book. I'm coming out with a course pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Energyformula.com. Uh, I will have a Mind Valley quest coming out soon on supplements. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. I film in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Sean Wells on pretty much most of the social platforms. That's S-H-A-W-N. So I spell it the English way, Sean. So Sean Wells. And uh, there's tons of information like on my Instagram with all these mm-hmm. info graphics and stacks and cool things um so check that out seanwells.com as well has my newsletter and all that all all of this is free there's no catch um so yeah i would i would love that and then uh i actually want to know about the that episode i would like to to check that out the one that you were just talking about i would love to get more uh more knowledgeable on that front as well so i appreciate that yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you. I follow you on Instagram. Fucking love your stuff. I, <laughs> I send it, I share it. And and um, yeah, I look forward to more and what you're doing in the world, what you're creating. I really believe in it. 
Oh, well, I love you and, and appreciate what <laughs> you're doing. I love the the sex love yoga thing. And um, man, I've, I've been through a lot. I, I have a girlfriend that's, you know, we've both been through our share of, of things and, and uh, I love your content and helping us kind of link up and get into the right headspace and support each other and uh, get a deeper level of intimacy through that. So I really appreciate everything you're doing as well. Yeah. And the marriage between all of it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm here. I answer all my DMs. So if you have any questions, please hit me up. And then I'm going to send the cats uh, my stack that I talked about here. I even have one for microdosing and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Beautiful. Please. Beautiful. Helping the world. Well, that was fun. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. And if you want to experience more ecstasy and sexual liberation, head over to sexlovepsychedelics.com and learn about how you can join me for any one of my online or live events. And while you're there, grab my free guide on sex and psychedelics. Remember, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider and local law before pursuing any of the products or psychedelics discussed. And one final note here, I make this show specifically for you. If you're loving the show, then be sure to leave me a review in iTunes or Spotify to let me know. Happy to be here and happy to serve. I'll see you next time on Sex Love Psychedelics. 